Um, and at the same time, I want this to be the beginning of a new journey like you get in a startup uh, versus the end of your old journey, which is, you know, the companies that you came from. On the podcast today, we are talking to Jason Goodall, the CEO of NTT Limited and the man in charge of a 50,000 strong startup. We talked to him about company culture and how tech needs to embrace the new world in which it finds itself operating. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of tech news. Welcome to today's show. I'm joined by Akish. Akish, who's got a massive hand. I have got a massive hand. I got stung by a bee on the weekend. Uh, I, look, it's a podcast, so people can't see, but I do not believe that's a bee. <laughs> Mate, it is. Oh, yeah, no one can really see You don't see know it. that. I, oh, I've I been stung something. by bees before, and yeah. I don't have a Michelin man hand. Yeah. <laughs> You're scaring me now, because, yeah, I... I <laughs> I kind of thought it was all right and went and, got, <laughs> went and got some cream in the morning from the local pharmacy and uh, yeah, I don't know. You're scaring me. Stop no, it. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Although yeah. I, I remember once um, my wife was in Spain, she got a nick on the back of her, of her knee yeah. while she was in the shower and didn't really think much of it. And then about five minutes later, this kind of powdery blue tarantula looking spider came waddling out of the bathroom and her knee was like behind it was like twice the size oh my gosh yeah <laughs> bloody hell yeah no uh, yeah I, I, I haven't seen any trenches who knows i don't know mate it's, it's a good thing like if, if i knew that there was something like that there i would freak out but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i don't know what i'd do brave woman brave woman mate well she didn't know until it came waddling out the bathroom she, she just went oh that, that felt funny but didn't yeah. see it oh and i'd freak out i freak out I, I was i remember when i was in um and I was in the Maldives, not the Maldives, sorry, Mauritius, uh, a couple of years ago. And I was in the bathroom and I picked up a towel and just heard this thud and this cockroach just dropped out. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, no. oh grim. After that, you're picking up the towel. The thing is, like, a really nice hotel, but obviously the you rooms are all quite open. Yeah, yeah, you're in the tropics, so you get big bugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm sure no. it wasn't anything like that. It probably was just a bee. It wasn't, mate. It was in the outskirts of Berkshire in a field playing cricket. So it can't be anything tropical out there. No. <laughs> no, you never know what people have let loose these days. Yeah, no, very true. Very true. Things think. like Tiger King realise how many people have ridiculous exotic pets behind there. That is very true. Door. Yeah, who knows, mate? Hopefully it'll be yeah. all right. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Anyway, we'll jump into today's interview. It's with Jason Goodall, the CEO of NTT Limited, self-styled largest startup in the world. Uh, We'll dive into this interview. We'll come back with some commentary and then a little bit of tech news to finish on. So today I'm chatting to Jason Goodall, the Chief Exec Officer at NTT Global, or Global NTT, uh, as it is on, on LinkedIn. But just to make sure that we get your title right, exactly what do you look after, Jason? Hi, Dave, firstly, and thanks uh, very much for, for having me. So, yeah, so this new entity, right, called NTT Limited, um, it, we like to call it our 50,000 uh, employee startup uh, company. Uh, we're actually one year old. I uh, can't believe where the time has gone. But uh, in July of 2019, we started. Um, and it's a, a combination, I guess, Dave, of 31 uh, separate companies from around the globe. Um, that NTT uh, Holdings had acquired over probably about a 10-year uh, time period. 
And um, with the changes in the market and with the capabilities that uh, we have as an organization, but obviously the challenges of trying to take those capabilities to our customers in an easy way, um, which is difficult to do when you're operating under 31 different brands and income statements, quite frankly. Um, they made the decision strategically to bring all of these 31 companies under one umbrella, uh, and that umbrella is NTT Limited. Uh, and I was fortunate enough, Dave, to be asked to, 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 lead, that, to lead that company. So uh, that's who we are. It's, it's an interesting one that you describe it. Did you say a 50,000-strong startup? I did. Yes, I'm trying to. Uh, it's probably the, the biggest startup in the history of uh, in the history of the world. Um, I suppose what it is, obviously, is not a, a startup in that uh, some of the companies that have come together out of those 31 uh, are over 30 years old. Uh, in fact, mm. the company that I came from, Dimension Data. But the reason why I term it that way is for two uh, two things. Uh, firstly, it's a mindset, uh, and I wanted to kind of create that mindset of a startup. Um, which uh, comes with it, I think, a sense of, of excitement, a sense of wonder, uh, a sense of ambition, uh, a sense of purpose. Uh, and it's all of us coming together. Um, and at the same time, I want this to be the beginning of a new journey like you get in a startup uh, versus the end of your old journey, which is, you know, the companies that you came from. So I kind of use it almost as a, as a thought provoker uh, more than anything else. It kind of, the sounds kind of cool as well. But uh, yeah, so that's why we talk about us being a 50,000 employee startup. And the, and the 50,000 employees is the number, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, 50,000 people uh, spread across 73 countries around the world. I mean, Dimension Data uh, is a company that I've, I've known and worked with for a number of years. And Dimension Data in itself had quite a strong culture and identity, or at least mm -hmm. the elements of it that I worked with certainly did. Um, how easy has it been over the course of a year to bring 31 different companies together and create a shared identity and a shared goal? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and uh, in some cases, uh, easier than I anticipated, um, but at the same time, not easy at all. Um, and then let me try and sort of speak to both of those. You're 100% right. I mean, knowing a little bit about dimension data and the other 30 companies are we're no different um, because we're not really talking about uh, a 30 sort of corporate type companies. We're really talking about 30 owner managed companies, which is a very, very different thing because your allegiance uh, to the brand, your allegiance to the culture is very different when you started it versus when you were employed into, into that environment. So we've really have gone from uh, a situation of uh, 31 very, very proud owner managed, uh, quite entrepreneurial uh, cultures, and then you know, as you said, you've got to bring all of that together and reimagine yourself as one company uh, in a very, very different way. Um, is is challenging in some regards, and um, I, th I think a couple of things as to you know why we've got it right. Not perfect, Dave, eh? for sure, not perfect. But I think what we tried to do, and we mentioned the one already about this whole sort of you know uh, startup, uh, fifty thousand startup. That was part of it. What we also did was we spent some time in the beginning. Uh, almost acknowledging and allowing the people to reflect on their past. Um, and, and we really kind of created a, a mindset of, you know, this is an amazing uh, opportunity that we are fortunate enough to have 31 amazing companies, all success stories in their, in their own right. Um, as you know, Dave, just to be a, a, a technology company that started and survived is, is success in itself. The fact that all of them were sort of exited to an NTT means that there was something there. 
so they're all success stories in their in their own right. And I try to to create an environment where we in the beginning could talk about that and be proud of mm-hmm. it and then almost share share our stories. Um, so that was the one part of it. But then the second step uh, in that journey is is then to say, but we are all coming together and we are jointly creating something new. Um, and and I think that in that second step of creating something new, what we tried to do as a as a team was to firstly create a purpose. So you know why are we coming? You know all coming together, and we're not all coming together because we've been forced together or for some negative reason. The reason why we're coming together is that we are lucky enough to be in the technology sector. The technology sector uh, happens to be transforming faster than it's ever transformed before, and we know that technology changes rapidly and all the time anyway, but I'd, I'd argue that the, the pace of transformation is, is, is faster than it's ever been uh, before, which has created opportunity for us uh, uh, as an organization and opportunity for us as individuals that we're best uh, suited to, to take advantage of and to add value to and to make an impact um, as a much bigger integrated organization. And that's an incredibly exciting place to be. Uh, and the fact that all of us are almost by default now founders of this new of this new entity allows us all to have a voice uh, at the table and allows us to make a contribution. And what that does is it allows you potentially to leave a legacy because, you know, whenever you decide to move on or do whatever that you do, you will be able to turn around one day and say, I was one of the founders of uh, Entity Limited uh, and I had a voice and I contributed and hopefully the the successful company that that we are and we continue to become and improve uh, is something that I, in my own way, however big or small, uh, contributed to. And I tried to kind of create that mindset. I think you've touched on a really interesting point there because you talk about the fact that these were owner-led businesses. They've all been success stories. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not the owner is still involved in those businesses as it, as it uh, evolves into NTT Limited, there will be some big personalities, right, who are who are the reason that those businesses were a success. Yeah. And yes, as you said, it's it's important that everyone has a voice. But how how have you been able to capture the voices of thirty plus successful companies when you've probably got some pretty big personalities there that um, I suppose you you don't want to you don't want to marginalise anyone. You 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 kind of they they will probably rightly feel that what they have to say is very valuable or pertinent. Absolutely, you know there's. There's, there's been some uh, a fierce debate and there will continue uh, to be some fierce debate. And as you say, everyone has a very strong opinion, um, which is why they were you know, largely entrepreneurial. You have to go into this journey uh, anticipating and expecting that some people will make other choices. Um, and unless you do that, you never, you know, you're going to compromise too many times to actually create a culture or a business and a value proposition that counts. Um, uh, and then the other side of it is, and it's, and this is more luck, I guess, than, than design, we had a lot of complementary capabilities and not that much overlap uh, in capabilities. And I guess is where you have the overlap is where you have the challenge because, you know, which company is better positioned, has better skills, is going to do it, et cetera, et cetera. For us, it really was more of a one plus one sort of equals three. Um, and, uh, and those areas where there was overlap were actually quite small and easy to understand. The reason for that is that as technology transforms, uh, you have businesses that are sort of better suited to the old world and, and businesses better suited to the new world. It's quite an easy decision to make, well, let's maximize the economic value of the old world, let's invest and do whatever we can to try and transform 
uh, and transition from the old world to the new world. So 90% of the time we had quite clear uh, guardrails and swim lanes uh, that we could operate in, um, but we still had some robust chats, uh, Dave, and, and I'm sure we'll continue to have some robust conversations. You talk about old world and new world. Do you think that the pandemic has been helpful in some regards in shaping a new identity. And as much as if I think about our own business, we were quite regional. And yet I've started to notice that something else is emerging because it doesn't really frankly matter if you're in London or Birmingham or wherever else. And I suppose from a from a culture point of view, often culture and identity is very much tied up in bricks and mortar in, in that old world. Hmm. Yeah, so multiple like multiple questions, I think, Dave, in that. So I'll try and address them. <laughs> so you, you're right, because it touches on a lot of topics, frankly, quite close to quite close to my heart. Um firstly, I suppose I'd say I think this this pandemic, um, as uh, as brutal as it's been in, in so many aspects of society, uh, you know, obviously health and, and you know, long-term, medium-term economics, et cetera, et cetera. Um uh, it has uh, in some ways, and I, I suppose try to look to the positives in most things, but I think what it has done uh, to your comment is that it's forced us to re- kind of review the way we, we see the world, um, and it's forced us to reconsider uh, how we want to operate uh, uh, as people and as companies in the future. Um, I speak sort of internally around uh, there's no question we're going to have some short-term uh, challenges as we all try and navigate uh, through the pandemic and the, and certainly for us the economic impact of the pandemic. In the medium term, I see it as a very positive thing being a technology company because there's no doubt that it's accelerated uh, the rate of, of, of change and it's accelerated the, the thinking from our own business as well as our customers knowing that you have to transform to a very, very different business. And that business needs to be a business that can operate, to your point, in a, in a much more virtual uh, environment, your physical location becomes uh, much less important. Uh, however, the way you continue to be able to connect uh, for us, certainly to our customers, but also to our partners and our own people becomes probably more important uh, than ever than ever before. So I think the dynamics and the skill sets that you need uh, as a company you know, within yourself, but also as a, a company that's going to be relevant to your customer base uh, uh, is, definitely, is definitely changing. Um, for us, though, what it means is that where we were trying to convince a lot of our customers to make the investments necessary to kind of become more digital, it was quite an easy answer for a lot of them to think, well, I get you and we will be there and we, we're not disagreeing with your your sort of your future, but we don't know if we have to do it now. That's you know, a lot of money to spend. I think we've got another year or two kind of doing what we're doing before we have to hit that switch. That switch has been hit for them, uh, whether they, they like it or not. I mean, as an example, we help 500,000 uh, employees in our customer base work from home in a three-month period. Uh, you know, we put 150,000 VPN lines into our customer base from a security perspective. Uh, we host 145 uh, uh, sort of conferences, virtual conferences on our digital platform each and every day. Right? These are just numbers that you know, we, we would never have imagined before. Um, and as we talk about it, you know, we've had, I don't know, probably about 2.5 billion people uh, around the world are, have gone from an office-based environment to a, to a remote, mainly home-based environment. One thing we all know, two and a half thousand people and two and a half billion people, sorry, are not coming back to the office, right? So, so that is a, a new norm and a new way um, of operating. So 
So, yes, that is a new change. I think short-term, no question, challenges, medium to long-term for companies like ourselves, I think it will play to to a future that, that we obviously embrace, which is a future where technology can make an impact uh, and technology, hopefully for good, can really change the way that we you know, live, work and play. And the physical mm-hmm. world uh, is important is important, you know, to me. And you mentioned the sort of physical aspect of it. And I mentioned at the beginning of the thing, I'm actually sitting in my office in London and I'm sitting in my office with a smile on my face because I'm enjoying the change of, of scenery. Um, but I also you know, respect the fact for me, it's a, it's a very personal and I'm very privileged. Uh, you know, and that I can get to the office in a safe way. I work in an office environment. I can do those social distancing uh, sort of uh, initiatives that are so important. But we do think that the future, to get that hybrid uh, kind of environment of uh, certain tasks and certain job functions uh, are best suited uh, in a remote work-from-home environment if you're fortunate enough to have the right facility. I mean, obviously, you know, your personal circumstances play a large part in that. Um, but there's no doubt uh, for us as a company that we believe uh, diverse people working together in groups, collaborating in a frank and, and, and robust conversations is the best way to solve complex problems. And whether those complex problems are for our customers or for ourselves, uh, it doesn't matter. Culturally, we've always been a company that has tried to foster this kind of startup entrepreneurial mindset, but also a little bit more somewhere between a work and a family. Uh, it's not all family. It is a work environment, and, and and it is what it is. But we try and do it in a in a in a connected human way, uh, rather than in a sort of very sort of in a cerebral way only. Um, and you can only create that culture, I think, through spending time in the same physical location. So, so Dave, we try to get the best of both. We haven't figured it all out, right? We're sort of all on this journey, uh, and frankly, a large part of it is out of our hands. It will de- will depend on you know what happens with this pandemic going forward. So look, um, looking looking to the future and, and and hearing you talk there, and also I suppose pulling on those threads of a shared identity and building something new, um, something that often can help bring people together is is a shared goal. And and I find it quite interesting that you've got research um, around um, a technology report for Smart Cities 2020 that's mm. introduced eleven technologies that help lay a roadmap for creating a, a resilient community within that smart city environment. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think I think that's quite interesting, looking forward to how that that might play a role, I suppose, in this new world that we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just sort of stepping back a bit, Dave, as to you know, why did we sort of publish that report you know, versus you know, reports around other areas of technology um, was largely driven by the fact that we sort of have subscribed since we started a year ago um, to the United Nations uh, 17 Sustainable Goals. Um, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of you know, the listeners uh, have heard of them, um, which is really, you know, the United Nations came out with these kind of 17 areas that we could fundamentally uh, make an impact on the world, which is uh, around things like how do we eradicate hunger in the world? How do we make sure that there's uh, equal opportunity for education? Uh, how do we make sure that everyone has access to healthcare, et cetera, et cetera? And one of those, one of those goals um, was how do we build more sustainable cities and communities? Um, and so what we've done uh, as Entity Limited is we've sort of put our hand up as what they call an Avenger, which means is that we're going to be sort of the title sponsor with the United Nations around that particular goal, which is fundamentally meant how do we make uh, cities uh, cleaner, uh, safer, uh, better places for people to be. Um, so that's sort of you know, where it started. 
Um, and with that in mind, we spent quite a bit of time thinking, well, you know, being a technology company, obviously the easiest thing for us is how do we use technology uh, in a way that gives us that, that outcome? Um, and, uh, and that was sort of, I, I suppose, the, uh, the genesis of that report, uh, Dave, that, you, that you're referring to. And I think it talks to, to a couple of things. And uh, if you don't mind me giving a, a bit of a punt, I did an article in the Fortune magazine on the same, uh, on the same topic, which is you know, a couple of things. We uh, as a company, and I personally think that cities uh, have a place in the future. Uh, there has been some debates. I'm sure you've all seen them. You know, will cities even exist in the future? And should they uh, exist in the future? And um, uh, I, I think and we think as a company that cities should absolutely exist in the future, but they will not be the same cities uh, as they are today. Um, and, uh, and once again, hopefully they are a cleaner, safer, more collaborative spaces where, where people want to come to, to, to connect, but they don't necessarily have to come to, to exist or to survive. And I think it's a very different reason when you, when you go to a place out of choice because you have a, a, a very fixed purpose in mind versus you go to a place because you, you have no choice, you have to do that, I think it's very different. Um, and we think that technology uh, will have a large part to play uh, around making uh, cities fantastic livable spaces to be that are more uh, at peace uh, with the world, uh, are, are more greener, um, and, and that all of the positives that city gives you, which is the diversity, the innovation, the energy, the ideas that come out of a city exist, and all of the negatives that come out of cities around you know, the poverty, uh, the pollution, the crime, uh, don't exist. Now, some will say that's you know quite a sounds more like a dream than a reality. I don't necessarily think so. I think that as uh, uh, as there's less population that's required to be in the cities, they're there for more positive reasons. We can create a, a living space uh, that people feel respected. Therefore, they respect in return. Uh, we can absolutely have a city of the future driven by technology that will be an amazing place for us and our kids and grandkids to be. Uh, and as NTT. Uh, we think we have the technology that can certainly help on that journey. Hmm. Look, a last, a last quick question. Um, you're in the office today. Yep, I am. But you're not in a full office. What role do you think the office is going to play over the next year or two? Yeah, exactly right. And I think the future office is more of a collaboration space um, than it is a workspace. And we're going to change that mindset. We don't come to the office to work. You come to the office to collaborate. Because when you work, you can work in many different places, depending on the task that you're doing. And, uh, and if I was just sort of explain, it's amazing if you look at the evolution sort of, of the office. We went from an environment where sort of you know, everyone had an office. And I'm talking, obviously, that the sector of, of you know, not, not office work, I mean, sorry, not factory workers or, or anything like that, but sort of your traditional banking, insurance, technology company. I came from an environment where sort of everyone sort of had offices. Then we went to the next sort of step in the journey was sort of open plan offices for everyone. Then we sort of went to hot desking uh, for everyone. And I suppose the fourth sort of wave to me is sort of more remote uh, working for everyone. Um, and what I've certainly uh, uh, experienced over the last three or four months with, uh, with, with our company is amazingly how productive our people have been working from home. And I think the reason for that uh, is that there's no question that there are certain tasks uh, and certain things that we all do in our day-to-day -day jobs that are just better suited to an environment where you can sit quietly on your own at your dining room, you know, sort of table, your kitchen, your study, or whatever facility you have, uh, and you just get on with things. You don't have the commute. You're in a comfortable environment. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then there are other uh, activities uh, that you absolutely need to do, you know, in a physical space, uh, face-to-face. And the, 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 the art, I guess, for all of us as companies to figure out uh, is to make sure that we create uh, an environment where you can do the work that you need to do in the best uh, physical environment to be productive and successful in that task. So I think our offices will become collaboration spaces. Uh, more and more, you'll do some of the sort of more alone time work in different uh, environments. I mean, that's quite a polarized sort of comment, obviously, to make. And then in general, I'm sure there will be some gray areas in between. But we certainly see the future as, as, as more of a hybrid one uh, than one or the other. Um, and I just want to say, because obviously it's easy to swing the pendulum to this, everyone's remote and let's all do it remote. And we know the, the work-life balance uh, benefits of remote working. Um, but I don't want to discount at all for us anyway as NTT Limited, the importance of culture in our work environment uh, and the fact that being together uh, is, is equally important as being able to work uh, productively on your own. So I think you've raised some fascinating points. Loads of food for thought there. You've obviously got a massive job on your hands that's not necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily harder or easier, but <laughs> different, let's say, given the yeah. times. Um, but I greatly appreciate you taking out taking some time out of your day. So that's hugely appreciated and have a lovely weekend. Great. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to chat to you and obviously your listeners. And uh, yeah, good weekend to you and everyone. Thank you. What do you think about this mindset? Uh, all of us coming together, a new journey. It's not about the end of 31 separate companies, but 51,000 staff coming together to create something. And I think it's it's one of those things that you listen to and you go, yeah, well, it's kind of management speak. But actually, I think in this case, it probably does make quite a lot of sense, right? It does, yeah. It, it, when I was listening to the interview, you know when you said 51 staff coming together and you know, doing all this, almost felt like a Spartan-esque like call really like, I, I could just imagine 51,000 people you know standing there like the film 300 if anyone's seen it um <laughs> just just thinking this is our yeah and then later on when he goes to mention this is the you know the the old world versus the new world I just had these weird images running through my head really but um but I, I think I think it's great I mean 51,000 people or 50 odd thousand people maybe sounds yeah, a 50, lot 50,000 staff 31 separate companies yeah I mean, that would sound a lot. It is a lot. Oh, yeah, it yeah. Is a lot. It's a hell of a lot of people and a lot of companies. But, yeah, I think it's great. Like, fantastic. Like, all, all for that um, in terms of bringing people together and bringing ideas together at that scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've seen it done with maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 people and one organization. But if you bring it all together, just think about the absolute powerhouse, you know, machine that you would be running and operating in um, uh, you see, the thing is like i i mission and purpose and values are mm. very trendy right mm. and they are important 100 percent through the course of the podcast over the last five years or so they play a critical role in the success stories of, of growth businesses mm. getting that culture right getting the value proposition right there are some large organizations where i sometimes think it's a bit of a tick the box exercise and like we've got to have some we've got to have some values mm. And they're nice quotes, and it's like, yeah, but what do we actually do with them? I think in this case, listening to Jason, it's very clear that it it, it could be difficult to bring together 31 businesses. He describes them, you know, they've all been successful businesses, otherwise NTT wouldn't have bought them. Yeah. So now trying to get them to understand that they have a voice and that they can make a contribution and kind of referring to everyone as kind of like a like a founder 
and saying you're at the start of a journey mm. is actually quite powerful. And you're right. I mean, maybe mm. not 300 to me, but I can, yeah. I can understand why, why you're saying that. Yeah. And, and also I think it, it gives everyone that um, just, just the ownership of, you know, look, this is why, this is why you're here. This is why we're here and, and what we're going to do together. And whether it's a, it's a grad walking in, you know, first job straight out of university compared to someone that's coming in with 15 to 20 years worth of experience in the industry and coming in at a different level, each of them will go through the same process. And when we think about organizations and people and, and, you know, the kind of shift that everyone is having to make, especially now, um, I think it just allows for everyone to, to have that one common goal in mind. Um, and also anything else that comes off the back of that makes makes it a lot more tangible and, and, and mm. achievable. Um, you know, and, and how many times have we, even in, 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 you know, certain roles that we've done in the past, you know, we've heard, we hear certain things, oh, you know, this is going to be our revenue target or this is what we're going to aim for or by the by this time next year, you know, we're going to get to this headcount or whatever. And sometimes you sit there and you go, oh, yeah, I mean, it all looks good on a PowerPoint slide, but, you know, is that actually going to, is that actually going to, you know become reality whereas i think now with the way everyone is is almost like a founder within the business and 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 is part of it i think it will just boost people um you know to to, to get the job done and, and absolutely go for it which um yeah. which i love i think i think a lot more organizations should look into that and, and do similar it's really interesting to hear a positive spin on coronavirus and covid and mm. and and heartening and i think Everyone is, you know, Jason kind of points out, everyone, everyone is aware that this is an awful situation for a lot of people and it's, it's, it's difficult. But for the technology industry, in the medium and long term, there is positives there. And actually, it could strengthen the hand of technology companies because it's fueling transformation. And I think that stat that he mentions about 145 conferences on their virtual platforms every single day. Mm. You know, demonstrates that it is putting tech front and center. And if you're in the technology sector right now, it is the transformative sector that is going to drive the way that the world works, the way that the world socializes going forward. Mm. And COVID is awful, but for the tech industry, it's only putting it front and center even more than it yeah. has been. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, even even if we were just to strip it all back and just look at COVID, forget everything else and all the products and organizations that have come out of the back of, you know, lockdown, whether it's Zoom being the number one trending thing across the world or, you know, whether it's kind of online shopping and all these sorts of, you know, cyber, uh, cyber security prevention firms and these sorts of things. If you forget all of that and just look at COVID, the simple way that the government and world leaders and world, even the World Health Organization – the way they're tracking it is all because of technology, right? The way the way that we are, are trying to go down here in the UK um, with our kind of track and trace, and I know there was going to be an app, and now there's not going to be an app, and now there may still be an app, you know. Things like that are, are now just being based off data, being based off technology. And the fact that whether it's, you know, even just going to a hospital, going to a pharmacy, um, all the way up until, you know, kind of storing, tracking results, these sorts of things. It's all going to be technology-led. So I think at first, and I don't know where you sit with this, Dave, but I think at first, before this whole COVID situation and the lockdowns, 
uh, technology was about, a little bit, they, they almost became a bit of showboating, um, you know, in products. And it was like, you know, if we've launched, uh, we've launched a, an, an app, which allows you to manage kind of all your money and, you know, kind of current accounts and someone would launch an app, which would allow your money, current accounts and your ISAs. Then the third one would be, you know, showing off, say, yeah, we do all three, but then also any future investments, we give you the, the kind of best, you know, rates or the heads up and research and all that sort of thing. So it all became a bit of a, you know, one up kind of, you know, what can we do to, to get ahead of the competition? I think, mm. I think with COVID now, it's almost gone back to, to, well, not gone back to square one, but everyone's kind of taken a few steps back looked at what is the essential need of humanity, of people, of consumers, and organizations have actually served them, um, you know, from the biggest firms in the world. And we look at Amazon yeah. giving giving out, you know, kind of free platform uh, usage to people during lockdown. You look at Sky, you look at the TV companies, you know, the internet providers, these sorts of things. So I think, I think what it has happened, and we've talked about it, is – is brought the human factor back into it but also it's given it's given the chance for organizations to actually serve their consumers you know with with mm. products that are right for them rather than well, just having stuff out like jason says you know two and a half billion people are not coming back to the office mm. but we need to play to that future and embrace it and mm. i think that's a really positive spin on it yeah 100 percent. jason thanks for being our guest we're going to take a quick break and then come back with a little bit of news about TikTok. It's being banned all over the gaff, isn't it, really? Well, that's the point. It is being banned all over the gaff. Uh, TikTok <laughs> round, Microsoft persuades deal as China vows to resist US sanctions. So basically... Um, this is news that the US, I think this, I mean, this is old news. The US mm -hmm. is threatened to ban TikTok. Uh, but Microsoft are now trying to acquire um, ByteDance for its US, Canadian, Australian, and New Zealand operations, aiming to complete takeover talks by no later than the 15th of September. Trump has put a 45-day um, time limit on, the, on this acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, China have come out and said that it's a political move. Yep. It's... Uh, the U.S. government trying to help U.S. tech businesses. Uh, the U.S. is basically stating that it's a Chinese software company feeding data directly to the Chinese Communist Party and their national security apparatus. Um, ByteDance claimed that at the minute U.S. users' uh, information stays in the U.S. Microsoft would seek to make sure that that is the case. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a new cold war being played out through technology effectively or a war of words anyway, between two, two current administrations. hundred percent. And it takes us back to one of the early episodes that we did during the pandemic where we spoke about TikTok in this same segment, right. And, and how that was basically aiding people's mental health and, and, you know, kind of people were, were looking into that, which then goes to show that I, I, I don't know one of our listeners may be able to tell us, but, it would probably be the biggest deal or biggest technology acquisition done in, in lockdown in, in the last four or five months, right, I'm guessing. Also, um, what would Microsoft do with it? I'm not sure. Would we have an added extension on Teams, do you reckon? Well, no, but it wouldn't affect, <laughs> it wouldn't affect us because it's the US, Canadian, Australian and New Zealand. Okay, right, okay. Cool. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect the TikTok in the UK. So would you get? would you end up having two 
different TikToks out there, effectively. The Microsoft oh. version with a, with, a, with a LinkedIn skin. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that you, you need know, a uh, you, you need a yeah, and you probably need to have a live or a hotmail email address for for that one, and you know all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I think it's like, I, I definitely am siding with. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to say that, but it's just I think it's it's a it's a much more political uh, yeah. kind of you know game than just looking out for technology and where data is held and that sort of thing. And and also going back on that point, since the rise of TikTok and, and other apps during lockdown, I mean, I don't know if you remember that house party app that came out and, you know, the the whole kind of, it seemed like the whole UK was going mad about it really. Um, mm. But people are a lot more cautious about their data, um, especially with GDPR and stuff that's come in recently as well. So is it, yeah, I mean, is it actually for for data reasons? I'm not sure. I think it's much more political than that. Uh, and Donald when, Trump. and yeah, exactly. There you go. I took the words out of my mouth. When Trump is concerned, there's always an ulterior motive, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Leave that up for discussion. <laughs> With that, I think we will uh, let you get off um, and go have a look at your melon hand. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers, guys.